In high school, I played football. Not well, not often. But I was on the team nonetheless. I never really felt a love for the game like a lot of my teammates did. I didn't have aspirations to play in college. I didn't even really like to watch football. But my brothers were on the team. When the five of us were together, we were the Falcon Five. An admittedly corny name for an undeniable, unbreakable bond between friends. When I'd feel like quitting the team, I'd think of all I'd be missing out on. No more hanging out at practice together. No more freestyles and row sessions on the way back from games. No more kickbacks after wins. No more Falcon Five. I didn't always feel the motivation to go to practice or conditioning. Often I questioned my place on the team, but I knew I had a place with my brothers. Looking back, that's what motivated me to stick to it. Even though it was tough at times, I felt supported and valued. If not for the Falcon Five, this might have been a very different story. Welcome to Hidden Curriculum. Out of the Science Education Society Lab at the University of Rhode Island, I'm Jossie Alexander. Today, we're talking about the will to carry on. We're getting deep into personal motivation and the role our identities and connections to people, places, and things have on our ability to stick through the tough times in college. Today on Hidden Curriculum, Belonging and Motivation. feeling you have when you're doing something you love? When something just clicks for you, you feel confident, eager to learn new information about your skill, challenge yourself, and get better. Your excitement most likely stems from a sense of belonging. With time, you start to ask more complex questions. Push the envelope. What if I told you the same thing applies to school? Belonging to me is a sense that when you are part of a group of people or a situation or a process that you feel an authentic sense of social connection to the individuals involved in that process. And you also in turn feel that your presence there is valued by the other people involved. That was Dr. Brian Dewsbury. You might remember him from our first episode of Hidden Curriculum. He runs the C's Lab, Science, Education, and Society. He's our expert for all things Hidden Curriculum. And his research is all about how students' social context or lived experiences influence their academic experiences. And he's a first-gen student himself. And from a research perspective, there are a lot of studies that have shown that the degree to which you feel that you connect a situation socially um, affects your motivation and affects your sense that you can actually be successful. And that can be a more powerful predictor of your ability to, well, not your ability, but a predictor of you doing well than the level of preparedness you come into the situation with. So sense of belonging, your sense of connection to people, places, and things can really affect how you perceive yourself and your goals. So for first generation students and some historically disenfranchised groups, if they find themselves in a classroom or in a major or department where they are constantly reminded that they are a social outsider. That can then lead them to false ideas of what they can and can't do with respect to their discipline. Sense of belonging or lack thereof can be established in really low-key ways. Think about it. Why is it so important for sports teams to have uniforms? Why do we create corny names and make plans in group chats? Nobody wants to be left out. It's human nature. Literally. 
A sense of belonging is one of our basic needs as humans, like food or shelter, and that shouldn't seem so far-fetched. Sense of belonging brings a sense of safety, a sense of entitlement to group knowledge and resources, and when that sense of belonging is rooted in a healthy environment, we can develop a positive self-image, confidence, and resiliency. It should be no surprise then that students who feel like they don't belong experience higher rates of depression, are more likely to struggle academically, and are more likely to leave college altogether. A lack of sense of belonging isn't exclusive to first-generation college students. Anyone can feel like they don't belong. But the numbers change for people who are the first in their family to attend college. In fact, data from the National Center for Education Statistics show that over a span of six years, 67% of continuing generation students persisted through college, while only 48% of first-gen students did. Of course, there are a lot of factors at work here. Finances come into play, family situations, but we can't write off the importance of belonging. In his TED Talk titled Inalienable Rights, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Belonging, Dr. Terrell Strayhorn, author of College Students' Sense of Belonging, suggested that a lack of sense of belonging explains about 60% of why students drop out. It also explains the challenges of first-gen students who persist. Um, If you looked at the Seymour and Hewitt study from the late 90s, they would tell you that that unexplained was sense of belonging. <laughs> and and I, want, I, want you to be, I want us to be careful here because sometimes we fall into the trap of speaking of college students as, as one monolithic group for whom we can find one or two explanatory variables that will tell us everything we need to know about um, persistence and retention and attrition. And this is not, in fact, the case. And even among the populations you and I talk about a lot, you know, first-generation uh, minorities, uh, people, students have different coping strategies and they're in different higher education environments. And um, Dr. So Dewsbury's right. The experiences and identities that are represented among first-generation college students are not uniform. First-gen students come from a range of identities, including racial and ethnic backgrounds, genders, sexual orientations, and family circumstances. There's no one-size-fits-all diagnosis for students' challenges, nor a one-size-fits-all solution. When I was like five, I was like, I'm gonna be a pediatrician. Like, me and my cousin were both like, always saying that. And then as I grew older, people were like, so you still wanna be a pediatrician? Cause you know, like- That was Deidre Perez. She's a junior here at URI pursuing a degree in cell and molecular biology, also a first-gen student. A little context, Deidre is Puerto Rican and Native American. She grew up in Providence, Rhode Island, and went through grade school with kids like herself, black and brown, from mainly low-income, middle-class backgrounds. Periodically, I know, like, my family asks me, like, I tell them I'm stressed out, and they're like, so do you still want to be a doctor? And I'm like, yeah, just because I'm stressed is not going to change my change my direction. Deidre and I spoke about the stress she feels and some of the challenges she has to overcome. She said her motivation comes from within, mainly because she doesn't see a lot of people like her. I see myself in any of my professors. It's hard for me to feel like I could be at their level one day. Like, I know I can do it. This is, I'm, I'm seeing, I, I have confidence in myself because it's within me, but if it was around me, like, I, there's no way I'd be able to if I was solely basing my future and my determination on what's around me, there's no way I'd be making it anywhere if I was just looking at the people around me because it's, I don't belong. I don't feel like I belong. I probably will never feel like I belong. 
So it's hard to see myself in people, like, like in anybody around me. The only people that are like me are the people that I've known my whole, like, that I grew up with, that I went to high school with, that, that are here too, that are trying to do what I'm doing, but that's like four or five more of us. There's not a lot of us. A lot of first-gen students, particularly first-gen students of color, feel like Desiree does, like they don't belong, like they can't see themselves in their mentors, classmates, future colleagues, or even the careers they're pursuing. It would be nice to have somebody that's my major, that's taking some of the same classes as me that I can ask questions and like not feel like I'm less than them because like there are people that I can talk to but I just feel like when I do ask them questions about like assignments or something I feel like they're like oh this girl doesn't know anything. I find representation honestly to be maybe the lowest level of belonging and I don't mean to be dismissive of it but I understand the value of it right especially at a school like the one I'm at right now where most of the students are white, most of the faculty are white. And if you're a student of color, if you're first generation, or if you're LGBT+, it is good to know that there are professors and administrators and staff who, with whom you sh share some kind of cultural relevance. There's, there's great value in that. But I, I want to caution against that being the, the, the ultimate um, picture of what belonging is and what it should look like. Because really, we live in a multicultural country, with a multicultural history, not the prettiest history, but it's the history nonetheless, and we're going forward into a multicultural future. And in my opinion, what you really want is everyone, regardless of how you identify personally, but everyone to have an equal sense of urgency to create a sense of belonging for everyone who comes in as a freshman or a transfer student, regardless of what their identity is, right? White, black, everything in between, so that you're not tasking sense of belonging on hiring some X percent of people to match X percent of students, right? <laughs> because I, I want X, Y, and Z percent to all understand the history of X, Y, and Z percent of students. And I think we have to move beyond this. We just need to get more black faculty or get more LGBT plus staff, et cetera, et cetera, and think about how are we challenging ourselves and our students to know all of the different aspects of American history and of all Not every student who feels like they don't belong drops out. Many students earn their degrees and continue on their education. Some take time off. Others explore majors. Literally, I was coming in here with a plan, a five-year plan. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to come out as. These internships, these are the colleges that I wanted to go in. I came in as a pre-vet major. Literally a pre-vet. Bio was literally, in my high school, I had bio on lock. Mitosis and meiosis, still remember it to this day. That was Beverly De La Cruz, a junior here at URI. I met Bev after she had changed majors from pre-vet to public relations. She told me that it just wasn't what she had expected. She said she felt like her high school didn't really prepare her for what college was really like. In class, she slowly began to feel like she didn't belong. Three girls that we were, we, we rocked together, you know? We all, three of us, changed major after two semesters. Like literally, I changed my major after, officially in my head, I changed my major after one semester. And I officially changed the beginning of sophomore year. Like, 
everyone was at a different level. Everybody was grasping everything differently. And the people that were left behind, me and some other and all the girls, we we were basically like it was like survivor of the fittest and we were surviving, so we had to go. We had to do. Have you ever walked into the wrong classroom on the first day of class? Like the class is already going, everybody's settled in and the teacher's lecturing. And everything stops as you crack the door. Suddenly it feels like you're floating in a sea of eyes. It's a simple, common mistake, but you're so self-conscious. You gotta get out of there. Now. From my experience, that's what it feels like when you don't belong. Every task becomes more daunting, and you feel less and less confident in yourself. Even in your ability to ask for help. You don't want to seem like you weren't paying attention. Or worse, like you're just incapable. Sense of belonging isn't limited to social class or race. A variety of studies show that first-gen students from all kinds of backgrounds tend to have lower sense of belonging than their continuing-gen counterparts. Remember Steven, the undocumented student from our episode about first-gen identity? Even within being like a first-generation student, it's like within it, there's, you have to like remember like my, my status. Steven told me that this extra layer of his identity has made him feel like he doesn't belong in some spaces, particularly with first-gen students who don't have to navigate the challenges of life as an undocumented immigrant. I'm like, um, um, I guess like um, a group that's supposed to be like where we find ourselves like yeah. it's more inclusive. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you kind of feel like you're not one of us. And Ask Dr. Dewsbury what a classroom might feel like if everybody felt like they belong. You know, I have to say I feel a little bit of privilege because having grown up in the Caribbean, where not that there's no issues, but it's a multicultural society, society where we not not we are not necessarily having these kinds of conversations, um, because we have a slightly different kind of history. And to be quite honest with you, when I think of a class where everyone feels that some belonging, that's kind of what I think about, right? Where having friends of of different backgrounds is not a thing I have to think about. Like it's not even something I have to process or make a big deal about and. It, they're just your friends, <laughs> right? Um, and, and again, I don't want to paint it as just perfection, but, but it certainly is a little bit closer to what I imagine in a science classroom when I put students in small groups and when I um, you know, bring in different perspectives of science in the classroom. It, it's not going to feel like a thing. <laughs> this is just what happened and we're going to talk about it because those are your brothers and sisters and this is your history as much as it is theirs and i would like to be able to be that from a from a, um, a pedagogue point of view but i would want the students to to have their their social radar fine-tuned so that if say for example you're in a group of four you know the first thing that might come to your mind when you have to do an assignment is, okay, well, does anybody work after hours? So that when we schedule in group meetings, we consider it of everyone's schedules, right? It's, it's, you don't assume people are working after hours, but you ask the question, you think of the possibility, right? You don't assume that everyone's maybe like you who's living in the dorms, everything's fully paid for, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and vice versa. So, so this, this sort of culture of in order for a community to be built, we need to find ways to, to dialogue and get to know each other. I would like that to be the default thing <laughs> that students feel when they walk into the classroom. And I think if we do that, I think if, if, if that sense of belonging is felt by all, 
um, then it's a lot easier um, to to do things that engage them between each other. And Dr. Dewsbury said it takes a village, but schools can help all students develop a sense of belonging. It's got to be intentional, though. In my opinion, what you really want is everyone, regardless of how you identify personally, but everyone to have an equal sense of urgency to create a sense of belonging for everyone who comes in as a freshman or a transfer student, regardless of what their identity is, right? White, black, everything in between, so that you're not tasking sense of belonging on hiring some X percent of people to match X percent of students, right? <laughs> because I, I want X, Y, and Z percent to all understand the history of X, Y, and Z percent of students. And I think we have to move beyond this. We just need to get more black faculty or get more LGBT plus staff, et cetera, et cetera, and think about how are we challenging ourselves and our students to know all of the different aspects of American history and of all different identities. College is hard. It can be even more so when you feel like you don't belong, if you don't see many people like you. But first-gen students achieve success every day. Ask Michelle Obama, or Oprah. There's a light at the other side of the tunnel. As students, when we belong, feel safe, we can tap into our full selves. We can use freed up mental space to learn in ways we might have never thought before. Hidden Curriculum is a project supported by the Science, Education, and Society Lab at the University of Rhode Island. This episode was produced and edited by me, Josh Alexander. The music for this episode was produced by Twin Musicom at twinmusicom.org, Lee Rosevere, Audio Binger, and Loyalty Freak Music. Make sure to subscribe to Hidden Curriculum on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Be easy. Curriculum is a project supported by the Science, Education, and Society Lab at the University of Rhode Island. This episode was produced and edited by me, Jossie Alexander. The music for this episode was produced by Twin Musicom at twinmusicom.org, Lee Rosevere, Audio Binger, and Loyalty Freak Music. Be sure to subscribe to Hidden Curriculum on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Hidden Curriculum. Be easy.